I brought in a guest today that on some days I see more than my see than I see my husband. Um, but we always see each other on television. And uh, so we've done a number of news hits together. And uh, so I thought, you know what? I get to spend time with Lieutenant Steve Rogers. So I think you need to get to spend some time with him today. LT, welcome to the show. Well, it's a pleasure being here, Sergeant. So we have a lot to talk about, but first I want people to get to know you better. You are uh, a Navy veteran, you're a police veteran, and uh, you're uh, you're a guy who is really dialed in to what's happening in America today. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Steve. Well, I love my country. Uh, certainly, I've had uh, 38 years on a police department here in New Jersey. Um, I retired as a detective lieutenant and had a great career, not basically because I was a great guy, but because I've worked with great men and women in the police department. I also uh, have a strong, strong, um, uncompromising belief in God. Uh, I believe uh, that my faith has taken me through uh, this great journey in police work. Back in 1980s, the uh, Navy recruiters came to our police department and they were looking for uh, men and women who would be willing to uh, be recruited, uh, excuse me, especially those who were in the service during the Vietnam War. Now, I happened to be in the Air Force right out of high school. There was a draft back then, and that was at the end of the Vietnam War. So I did go into the uh, Air Force, uh, didn't go to Vietnam, <coughs> excuse me, but served here in the States. So I was eligible to join the Navy then when they came around looking for uh, Vietnam era war veterans. I went in, I became a commissioned officer, uh, was assigned to the U.S. Office of Naval Intelligence uh, my entire career and retired as a lieutenant commander. So again, it was serving my country, serving my God, and doing the best I could to uh, continue to keep America the great, great country it is. So many um, cops are also military veterans, you know, because, you know, we have that sense of service, that mission if you will, of serving our community, serving our country. And, uh, and you know, you really, you exemplify that because, you know, we talk about the American military um, as keeping us free as Americans, and they do, but it's really the day-to-day -day cop that keeps the day-to-day -day person in America free, isn't it? Yes, in fact, back, back in the 90s, I had written a, a, a book. I've written a few books, but this one was entitled America's Homeland Warriors. And it is about what you just articulated. Uh, our police officers throughout our nation, by the way, America has the best police forces on earth, believe me. And I'm not saying that because I worked as a cop here, but I've been around the world and I've seen how foreign police departments work in comparison to those of us here in the United States. But uh, going back to that title, America's Homeland Warriors, we are truly warriors fighting uh, crime and even fighting terrorism, fight, fighting foreign agents. Uh, and I could go on and on. We're also everyone's doctor, everyone's lawyer, everyone's psychologist, everyone's sociologist. Uh, you know, they talk about uh, giving a, a mandated drug test to police officers and mental health tests. Well, that should be extended to judges and lawyers and politicians. Uh, we're the men and women out on there fighting this good fight uh, in danger. Now, that's not to say that judges and others don't run it, don't don't get into danger at times. But I've got to tell you, we're the only ones running towards the danger. Everybody else is running away from the danger. 
So I see uh, indeed veterans who were uh, recruited in police departments years ago, well-equipped to do their job. I, I don't know if that's necessarily true today. I, I think the young men and women coming into the police departments are being cheated a great career as a result of these ridiculous, unwarranted uh, mandates and regulations that are being brought upon their training uh, by the uh, political elite here. You know, you talk about that word warrior, and that's something that, you know, our era of cops, that that word is very important to us. That's something my husband and I still teach, warrior ethos. And uh, that the word warrior and warrior cop really came under fire in uh, 2014, didn't it? Well, it sure did. Uh, but you got to remember also during that time, uh, anything less than being a warrior uh, you'd get yourself uh, jammed up and possibly killed. Uh, I'm sure the American people understand very clearly that they need police officers that are well-armed and well-trained uh, to protect them. Uh, it's the politicians that are the problems. It's the politicians who don't like the word warrior. In fact, politicians don't even like the word police officer. Uh, they want to uh, switch the cop off the street on the street and uh, out of the street and put social workers in there. Well, that doesn't work, does it? We've seen it uh, become a disaster. But we're truly warriors in the good sense that we are truly a warrior to protect and to serve. And that's the missing uh, phrase that politicians seem to forget about. Now you're you're a leader. You write about leadership. You talk about leadership. What? What do you wish you'd see more of from some of today's police leaders? Well, to begin with, I would like to see police leaders uh, uh, do something that we did in the late 80s and 90s and disappeared, is to ensure that every police department across this land has a police chaplain assigned to it. Those police chaplains, uh, especially, I believe New York City still has police chaplains, but those police chaplains are an integral part of uh, helping police officers and their spouses and their families through very difficult times. That's what a good leader would do with regard to the men and women on the department. Secondly, uh, I always did this, Sergeant. I told my troops, and I call our police officers troops because truly there are troops here in America. I told my troops, always tell the truth, always obey the law. Don't put anything in writing till you sit down and think about what you're gonna put in writing. Never lie, never try to uh, fudge on it, tell the truth. And when you do that, you'll never get into trouble. And uh, thankfully, I never had a police officer under my command in trouble. But those cops out there have to know that you're going to have their back. That is very important because no one else seems to have their back. And a good leader will also do this. On a personal level, uh, as I said before, my faith in God carried me through. Uh, I've read a lot of textbooks, as, as you have, but that Bible from cover to cover I have read it has been a great guide for me regarding uh, honesty, integrity, uh, and, and, and on and on and on. In fact, Romans 13 happens to say, and I'll, I'll uh, interpret it for you, Romans 13 actually says that the police officer is a minister of God, called of God to do the good, to execute wrath upon the evildoer. Not many cops know that that is interpreted that way, but truly it is. So uh, it's a great calling. We have a great calling, and we have to live up to uh, the laws of man as well as the laws of God. You know, Steve, we've spent, uh, America has spent the last three years just digging ourselves into a hole of uh, not enough cops, lousy prosecutions, rampant crime, uh, especially in blue cities, um, open borders, 
How do we dig our way out of this? Well, interesting enough, I'm glad you are uh, broaching this subject. Interesting enough, the criminal elements are helping us. Now, you and I have been on a lot of TV hits on these national broadcasts, and we've had some great discussions about this. But some time ago, I've said that uh, uh, until the criminals go into the blue cities and start destroying uh, the property of those who have made life miserable for police officers, there's going to be no changes. Now, I don't wish that on anybody. I don't want to see anybody hurt. However, uh, in, in the uh, uh, past several weeks, past several months, we now see crime going into these areas. And look what's happening. The you and cry of the blue cities are, we need the cops. Well, you defunded the cops. You know, you know, now you need them. So the fact of the matter is, is that the uh, uh, criminals, uh, and, and I say that rather flippantly, but the prim criminal elements have helped us in our desire to get policing back to the way it was. The second part of the answer, uh, Sergeant, is that the people have to wake up. They have to remove from office. All of these woke politicians are more interested in pronouns, more interested in training cops in areas they don't need training in, and more interested in replacing cops with social workers. Those politicians need to be replaced. The DAs letting the criminals loose out on the streets need to be replaced. And the only ones who could replace them are who? We the people. You know, what do you think we need to do as a profession to get young people interested in becoming cops? Because when you and I got on the job, I mean, we competed against hundreds, if not thousands of other candidates, you know, for maybe three or five or 10 spots. Now uh, we we have we don't have a real good pool of candidates. We don't have uh, a lot of applicants and we don't have a lot of young people that even make it through the police academy. What what do you think we need to do as a profession? Well, a few things uh, to begin with. Uh, I believe we need to go back to community policing like it was in the 90s. Uh, I helped author the community policing policies here in New Jersey years ago. And that was uh, cops in the schools. I had my troops go into elementary schools and have lunch with kids uh, sitting in the cafeteria. Uh, I had young people who we knew were at risk uh, report to us with their report cards. Uh, uh, we wanted to see how well they were doing. And uh, the cops had a great relationship with young people where the, the kids didn't weren't exposed to cops on TV where there's violence and there's shooting, uh, where there's uh, all sorts of uh, terrible things that cops are being portrayed as. So they got to see the police officer up front and personal. So we need to get back to that community policing methodology. Also, you don't lower standards, you increase standards. You make sure that police officers are physically fit to do their job, uh, mentally fit to do their job. This is a tough, tough job that no one will ever understand unless they're wearing the shoes of a police officer. So we have to make sure that our standards are increased, our qualifications are increased, and the mental and physical health of our officers, and I'll even add spiritual health of our officers, are intact. Those are some of the basic things we could do to get more people involved in police work. How do you think uh, our open southern border is impacting um, American law enforcement and the job we're trying to do to protect our citizens? Well, it is a disaster. Uh, I worked uh, with the U.S. military intelligence uh, while I was in the Navy at the FBI National Joint Terrorism Task Force. So I was involved in a lot of uh, uh, tracking of terrorist activity across this country, collecting intelligence and information. 
our greatest fear was uh, terrorists coming across that border. Uh, and uh, who knows how many are here. Uh, but now we're living with a fear where not only terrorists are coming across the border, but the drug cartel is sending people across the border and killers are crossing the border. Uh, they have overwhelmed our cities. Uh, police can only be uh, at so many places uh, and so many times. They can no longer respond to the jobs they need to respond to. They can't protect and serve the way they used to. Why? Because now we have thousands, not hundreds, but thousands of undocumented people coming into this country uh, who are not, not most of them, I'm not going to say that, paint a broad picture, but a good number of them are bad, bad people, bad actors. So what we need to do is to shut that border down and increase police uh, pre presence in these areas and in our cities by doing what? By funding the police. By sending some of that money Joe Biden is sending to Ukraine and other countries into our cities where he could build up, if you would, warriors. Boy, Sergeant, do we get ourselves in trouble using that word, warriors, right? But send those uh, homeland warriors, our police officers, into the cities where they're going to protect the people. You know, we have 32,000 different identified street gangs in this country. Uh, you and I fought the gangs in the 80s. In the 90s, uh, why can't we get a handle on uh, street gangs? We could, but it's the will of these political leaders. Look, at you and I have been around since the war on drugs way back in the 70s. We lost that war a long time ago. And it isn't the cops that lost that war. It's the politicians who have surrendered that war to the drug cartel and to drug dealers. Uh, you got to put these people, meaning the criminal elements with the drugs and the gangs, in jail forever for a long, long time. Uh, uh, so, so the laws, the way they're written, are uh, actually written to protect the bad guys and not the good guys. So we could win this war on drugs. We could win the war against gangs. It's a matter of giving the police the tools and the authority to go after these guys and lock them up. You know, I put a picture of my German shepherd on the internet and uh, it, it says, uh, uh, notice to criminals, remember when I come after you and get you, I don't have to give you your rights. Well, I, that sends a bit of a message, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, you know, I want to pivot just a minute because you and I share something um, uh, that's very dear to us, and that's our Christian faith. And police officers, you know, there there are different organizations um, for police officers, you know, that are faith-based. And, and uh, when you talk about things like um, being able to do the job of a police officer, being able to be mentally and emotionally healthy as a police officer. Faith plays a huge part in that, doesn't it? Oh, probably the most important part of it. Years ago, and I'm thinking of doing this again when, when I start to make some time. Uh, years ago, I put together what was called a police officer survival kit. It was a small sandwich bag with a little New Testament in it. And we had some uh, scriptures uh, on a pamphlet for cops to look at. Well, we made thousands of them and brought them personally to NYPD precincts back in the 80s. And I've got to tell you, Sergeant, the calls I got from cops uh, that wanted more of these survival kits. And so that said something to me uh, about uh, police officers looking at towards the Lord Jesus Christ, looking towards God Almighty as a way to deal with their problems. I've wrote a book along. I've written these books a long time ago. I have to write them again. Cops and God, a loyal partnership. It did real well. And it was about cops and their relationship with God and how God used cops, not only for uh, uh, the will of uh, the law here on earth, but also 
for the law of God. Uh, but there's a lot of, there's people in police work that are kind of left out a lot. And that's the spouses, the husbands or the wives, uh, those married to the police officer that goes out on the streets. Uh, this is the importance of chaplaincy. This is the importance of uh, the police officers and their families getting close to God and building their faith. But it's the number one priority, I believe, especially today uh, in the environment that we're living in police work. And, you know, it's unfortunate because there's this mantra largely from the left about separation of church and state. People really misinterpret that, don't they? Yeah, I've heard that song and dance uh, my whole life. I said, yeah, well, you know, there's a separation in church and state, but show me where there's a separation of man and God. Exactly. Exactly. So I, uh, so I got to ask, you know, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're a cop, you know, you're a military guy. How did you start writing books and getting involved in media and, and things like that? How did that all progress? Well, <laughs> here we go. Uh, I was assigned to the midnight shift years ago and, you know, the midnight shift, not that active. So I decided to park my police car and take notes down for a few hours and, uh, you know, just started to write stuff. And sure enough, I had enough notes. I showed it to somebody and said, you know what? You ought to write a book. Uh, and it was about my faith. And it was about Cops and God, about my faith and about, uh, you know, the things that I did on the job, et cetera. So I wrote one book and it ended up now nine or 10 books, I believe now. Uh, and uh, uh, all through prayer, I, I'll tell you, uh, the, the miracles that have happened in my life. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not perfect. I sin like everybody else, believe me. And I get slapped around by the Holy Spirit when I get out of line. But the fact of the matter is, is that I've learned that when I make mistakes, get on my knees and pray, repent of my sins. And you know what, Sergeant, I'm going to go out. I'm going to mess up, screw up. But there's a loving God that's going to take care of me. So I began to write these books. Uh, the radio, I had my own radio show called The uh, Police Desk way back in the 80s. Uh, that worked out well. And then someone in TV land, a, a producer, discovered me on uh, Good Morning America way back in the, the, the 80s. And they said, look, uh, we'd like to become your publicist and uh, we'd like to get you on the air all over these news programs. And, and I did. I got on the air. Uh, but today I don't need a publicist. I have him up there. That's my publicist. And I either go or I don't. But again, it gets back to that 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 faith factor. You know, you, you, you have a dream. You go after it. It'll come true. Uh, but you know what? I've learned not to too too much trust on man, but put a lot of trust in him up there. And, you know, things work out well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you have a podcast now, right? Yeah, I have a, a podcast. It's uh, aired the last Thursday of every month uh, at 7 p.m. Uh, it's called uh, This Month in North America. Uh, we address a lot of issues here in the United States, and we've been overwhelmed with addressing issues in Canada. It's a sad situation what's happening in Canada. Uh, their uh, our government has turned so far left, they're, they're bordering on uh, actually communist ideologies. And I'm not exaggerating. It is bad up there uh, where the civil rights are being taken away. And uh, regarding police up there, uh, they're being used by the government to do things that would be illegal in this country. And, uh, and I've got videotapes that people have sent me and even challenged the police leadership there uh, to uh, not use these police officers as an arm of a government that is taking the rights away from the people. But it's a very uh, 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 important broadcast. I have a Canadian on with me now. Uh, so we're on about uh, 30 minutes to 45 minutes discussing all of these issues. You know, and that's one of the things that we saw during the pandemic 
here in the United States was law enforcement officers getting used inappropriately, right, to do the to do the will of their uh, their government in some of these, you know, mass mandates. You can't play on the playground. You can't do this. Can't do that. Do you think that'll happen again? I don't think so. Uh, of course, Joe Biden, you know, and his administration, they're always talking about mandates for vaccines and masks. But I believe both police officers, especially their leadership, is now wise to what's going on. Uh, cops uh, did not want to do the things that they were ordered to do. I remember looking at a video where cops were deployed inside a McDonald's at, at, in New York City, uh, uh, having a kid and his mother removed because they didn't have a mask. I, I could I could sense those poor cops. They, they just didn't want to do that. But I would suggest to police officers that are put in that position, you got to obey your orders. I get it. But make sure in your police reports, you know what, you put down you were ordered by the person that ordered you and put their names in that particular report. Because when the when it hits the fan, Sergeant, believe me, you know as well as I do, people are going to run for cover and leave that poor cop on the street hanging. Well, once their name's in the report, uh, they're holding the bag, not that cop on the street. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I wish we had about three more hours to talk, but uh, but we got to wrap it up. Steve, where can people find you, your social media, your books, your podcasts? Give us everything. Well, if they could go to campaign the number four America dot com, that's my website. They could actually get the cops and God if they uh, actually go to cops dot com. Uh, I believe the book is uh, on that website. And then social media, Twitter, that's at LT Stephen Rogers. Steve, thanks so much for spending time with us today. And if you'd like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Ma'am, put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.